3: Hello, everyone. I hope everybody is having a wonderful Saturday. Uh, we are here for another episode of Blizzard Watch Plays. In this case, it's D&D again. But an all-new world. Matt Rossi has taken a little bit of a break, uh, so he can play again, and we are breaking the Eternal DM Curse, which, if you don't know what that is, Google it. It's a thing. Uh, so I will be running a wonderful adventure for our fine fellows uh, from Blizzard Watch, and I'm, if you don't know who I am, I'm Joe Perez, uh, sometimes known as Loader. Uh, yeah, and I, uh, I like to run these things. So... I figure we will start with a quick roundtable so that everybody can introduce who they're playing. Uh, we have a little bit on the site, but I figure, hey, it's your chance to talk about your character. So let's start from the top down. Uh, Deb, who are you playing
2: today? Hi, I'm Deb, also known as Gim. A lot of people refer to me as Gim. That's my main in WoW. Um, I am playing Merzy Dotes. Who is a female rock gnome i have a home brood, went back into my closet and found my first edition dnd player's handbook and i have joe and i have resurrected the illusionist mm. Mm. um And because we're fifth level, we get to do something else with our characters. And I have chosen to become an artificer alchemist. Uh, Rock gnomes are known for their tinkering. And I figure an alchemist fits right in there because you tinker with stuff. (laughs) And maybe it won't blow up quite as much, but we're going to see.
3: That is very very true, uh, and let's see. Next on the list, not uh, any sort of uh, least, is Andrew. Andrew, who will you be playing today?
1: I'm playing uh, Dnarr, which his name's supposed to be um, primordial for servant. He is uh, uh, a Eriganasi warlock. He is a uh, genie. His uh, by genie code. He must uh, serve anyone who holds his lamp until he grants them a, the, the wish. Unfortunately, he has found that he has lost his magic, the, the ability to grant the wish, and a lot of the other magic that he's had. So currently, he is uh, in servitude to one of the other uh, players and uh, is unable to grant the wish and is the servant for now.
3: All right. Uh, Next on our list is the incomparable Matt Rossi. Matt, who are you playing this time? I am Mai. Is that all you're going to tell people?
0: That's all that matters. I am. (laughs)
3: Uh, Okay, then. Well, I guess Matt is going to be mysterious, and you'll find out a little bit more about Mai as uh, we play through. Uh, And, of course, uh, joining us again today is Liz. Liz, who will you be playing?
4: Uh, My name is Ron, and I'm a changeling rogue. Um, I used to be a member of a death cult, but I've recently left it, and I'm trying to learn to live like a normal person who's not cultist assassin. And uh, we're going to see how that goes.
3: Wonderful. Uh, Now, we will be later on in our adventure. We will have two other folks joining us, and we'll be... uh, Reprising a, a a player role at some point in the very near future, probably our next episode. Uh, as will Corey. Uh, so if you were in love with uh, Mischief or uh, Zell's antics from the last game, I am confident that we will have more antics from them in the future uh, with just uh, probably a new twist. Um, Now, for those of you that want to know a little bit more about Otherworld before we get into it, I will just give you a brief synopsis. Uh, Otherworld is a game that I created, a game world that I created back in the 90s. Uh, It's an amalgamation world. It is something that exists that touches all of the planes of existence in D&D. What this means, mechanically, is that if it exists as a D&D game setting, it exists in this world, and you can play it. Uh, It was created so that players could have as much freedom as possible in what they play uh, and what they do, and some of the adventures that they can have therein. One of the other hooks is that the game world is ever-evolving. This is not the same game world that I created... Wow, almost 30 years ago. Uh, It has been shaped by player decision parties throughout all the years. Uh, And so where our timeline is right now, it is year 937. Uh, It is 25 years, roughly, uh, after the events of the last uh, planar cataclysm. Uh, which the players of the previous party were part and parcel in causing and also solving. Uh, Landmass has changed, the world has shifted ever so slightly, uh, and things are ever so different. And that's where today's game starts is one of those places, a city called Highgate. When the previous party came across Highgate, it was under siege by the undead ogre forces uh, of the big bad, it had raised the city in an attempt to get more undead soldiers. Uh, the players were able to swoop in and sort of save it from being completely destroyed, and then spent the better part of several years rebuilding it from the ground up. Since the time of the Great Cataclysm, those well, former adventurers now have retired Uh, to Highgate, and have raised it from what was a small port city to one of the major cities and settlements of the Free People. Uh, It is essentially your giant amalgamation city where everything can possibly go. And that's where most of our players are going to be starting from today, and we're going to start with Liz. So Ron has been recently out of the Death Cult, or how recently would you say that she's she, he, they have been free from the death cult.
4: Um, I, think about, I think we're talking about three, maybe four months.
3: Yeah, so it's still fairly fresh. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you were telling me about is that your character likes to people watch. Why is that?
4: Uh, well, she's a changeling, and also she's lived in, like, obviously a very restrictive environment. I mean, she's... Yeah, lived in a very regimented place where she was taught to be like an assassin and taught all of this death cult stuff she was taught to believe in this death goddess Lilith is like the, the only thing in her life and now this a much bigger world and there are all of these people and everyone is like has different ideas and there are all these different gods and there's just and she knew about this she'd been out in the world to like you know murder people in the name of her goddess as was well and right or as she once thought was well and right but This is very different. So she's, um, yeah, she's, she's doing a lot of watching the world and kind of figuring out people. Uh, She's, you know, pretty observant by nature. That's kind of how she she got by not necessarily by being, you know, really strong or really violent, but like by watching and knowing when to when to take her moment. And so she's uh, she's doing a lot of watching. he's trying to figure out how to be in it.
3: To that effect, Ron has taken a job uh, sort of working as a bartender at probably the premier casino in bar uh, resort type place in Highgate. It's also one of the fancier places uh, in the freelance uh, so this place is called Walters and it is founded by a retired adventurer uh, and bard who decided that, well, if I can't travel the world and make my own st- and, and go to different stages and play, I'll make my own. Uh, that has now blossomed into a place that has five bars within it uh and they were looking for a bartender for what they call the underground a uh, section that's mainly catered to folks that well live underground dwarves trogs, goblins uh folks like that it's very uh thematic in its uh, underdark almost theme and you were selected for the job and it's been fairly quiet for the last two months that you've been doing um now, during your travels, you did pick up a wonderful little trinket. And I, I want to know a little bit more about Diener. And does Diener kind of hang out with Ron, even when Ron's at work? Or how does, how does Diener interact mainly?
1: He is there as the servant, so he um, will disappear into his lamp. But anytime she calls him, you know, the whole rub the lamp and he'll come out. Anytime she asks for help, he would then pop out or do anything, uh, she asked, not necessarily excited to serve, but would also never, um, reject anything he's told to do.
3: Okay. Uh, so with that in mind, you're kind of hanging out in the lamp while Ron's working. Um, I imagine it's almost like a little apartment. You're kind of like the, the little Pokemon that could. Uh, and it's sort of like day in, day out. You, I I, I think you mentioned, uh, Liz, that Ron constantly tries to get Diener to not be a servant. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah,
4: she's, she's just not interested in... Like, she spent her life... Um, you know being told what to do and <laughs>
3: <laughs> sorry about that folks
4: i've been there done that uh rona spent her life being you know told what to do when living in this very organized hierarchy she always had to do as she was told and she's just not into people not having choice and she's not really interested in things being handed to her because everything has always come with strings so She's not into having a servant. She doesn't want a servant. <laughs> so let's
1: and
3: I was going to say for the sake yeah, of Go ahead.
1: That's like the one like law that he has to follow. <laughs>
3: So let's say for the sake of argument, periodically throughout the course of the day, uh, you'll accidentally bump the lamp because obviously you keep it on you because you don't want anybody else to get their hands on it and subvert the will of Diener because you know somebody will try uh, and you don't want to have that happen because you can't bear the idea of uh, subjecting – somebody to that sort of overt rule again. So periodically, Diener just winds up popping out of the lamp, uh, overhears a request like, oh, man, I need to get, you know, more whiskey from the top shelf. And before you can even say anything, Diener will poof, grab it, bring it back. A little bit of bickering here and there. But the interesting thing is nobody in the bar seems to care or mind whenever they see this happen. Uh, and you have a, a series of regular patrons, a, a bunch of older dwarves that look like they used to be uh, miners uh, over at Carrick Eight Peaks. Uh, that have since come to the big city in, in you know for a change of life. Uh, they see Diener pop out of your lamp periodically. A couple of them wave at him with their rosy cheeks and 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 blotted nose, and uh, then wave back to you, and then just go back to drinking. Nobody seems to. Uh, one of the days, let's say today, uh, a, another an odd gentleman walks into the bar. He stands only four feet tall. Is definitely human, but there's definitely something very off about him. You can't place what it is. You've seen probably in the four months, or the few months that you've been doing this, thousands of people come and go. You've wandered the city streets. You've seen all manner of humanoids. And it seems like this should be a human, but there's just something just rubbing you the wrong way. Uh, And it is in this moment as, as Diener is, you know, basically being your bar back, uh, that you also notice this as well. Uh, His clothes are just a little bit too bright, Uh, his eyes a little too dark, his teeth maybe a little too sharp as he surveys the room and smiles with a large toothy grin. It seems almost predatory, but nobody else seems to, to notice or mind. But as he moves through the bar, you notice that people give way. They part almost like a sea breaking upon a rock. They know he's there. They react to his presence, but they don't acknowledge. And he wanders up to the bar and he sits down onto one of the stools, uh, almost perfect height, as he, this is a bar built for smaller denizens mainly. And he looks directly at Ron Ah, hello, my fine barkeep. Might I have some of your wonderful libations today?
4: Certainly. What do you want?
3: Well,. I really like wine. What do you have that is robust and fortified?
4: Uh, I suppose Ron will turn around and pick up a couple of bottles to show him, you know, just kind of look through them and grab one or two and just present them.
3: He grabs the the bottles and actually like sniffs at them Uh, and he chooses the one that It bothers you because you know that this is on the verge of spoiling. It's got that irony, vinegary smell that red wine gets when it's at the end of its life cycle, uh, when it's basically been open for too long, exposed to too much air. And he says, ah, this, I'll take the whole bottle. And he throws a platinum piece on bar, And you know that this is a hundred times more than what it's worth.
4: Um... That's awfully spendy. You could get a lot more than this for that kind of coin, but I'll be, like, collecting change from wherever.
3: Oh, no, 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 no. You, you keep the rest. I'm always happy to make my patronage, well, lucrative for those that deign to serve me. And he smiles with this huge, awful grin again. And the conversation goes like that for a while. Every every time you you know, go and handle some other patrons and come back. It's almost like he's staring through you. Now, Diener, you you haven't gone back in your bottle yet, uh, and I want you to make me a perception check, piece Okay. You definitely get the feeling with that role. You don't know exactly what it is, but he's not from here. And when I say here, I mean this plane of existence. He's got sort of this this almost bitter scent about him. You've you've encountered something like this before but you can't quite put your finger on.
1: Can I cast guidance on Ron? Just as oh, we're caught? Absolutely. Okay. So if she makes a has to make a saving throw, she gets a plus D4.
3: Okay. Uh and he it's he notices And you can see, like, his gaze, his eyes dart to you as you cast it. And he smiles even larger, almost as if his face and flesh can barely contain his smile. And he just tips his hat to you. And you notice that it is a fine top hat uh, with a zebra-striped band around it. Uh, And he places it down on the table with his... slicks back his hair, and he looks back and calls both of you over. I like you here a little extra present for being such gracious hosts. And there's out of his hat he tips it over and he pulls it out before you can even say anything and places two golden tickets onto the bar with your names written on. This, I'm on
4: only... This is really unnecessary.
3: Oh, I assure you it is perfectly necessary. I'm only in town for a short while. You see I'm part of a traveling show. And Well, if I didn't peddle my wares to those that were gracious enough to host me, then what kind of entertainer would I be? All you need to do, as soon as the sun is down, is rip those tickets, and you'll be granted audience to the greatest show in all of the verse. And he smiles and downs the rest of the bottle, and stands up, straightens his jacket, his shirt, doffs his hat, and as soon as he places it on his head, you blink and he's gone. Nobody else seems to react to this at all. How that, does
4: that was not normal. I don't I don't think that was normal.
1: I think I've seen him before, something like him, but I can't remember where in all my travels.
4: Well, I can say I've never met anyone quite like that. She's kind of still staring at the platinum piece, which is maybe somewhere, you know, in a little box behind the bar and she keeps kind of looking over there and I am really not comfortable with this, and these tickets what this feels like a trap, something
3: and as you look at the ticket, it does it has your name finally engraved on what looks like a almost impossibly thin gold leaf, which you both know normally would tear inside of your hands, but it 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 feels sturdy enough, almost as if it was parchment paper uh and on it says at the toll of eight bells tear me for entrance. Uh, and basically it has the, you are cordially invited type thing. And it just says the circuit. I'll let you ponder that as we move on to our next, uh, adventurers. Uh, we're going to move to, uh, Merzi or Maisie Marzi. How do you want it? How does that pronounce Mer-Z. it? Merzi. 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 So Merzi is an odd gnome, uh, even by gnome standards, Uh, rock gnome wizard, but...
2: I am all of three feet tall! Come on!
3: (laughs) Well, you're the right height, but you... Your tinkering is definitely odd compared to the rest. You've been showing an increase in interest in alchemy as of late, uh, and you've come to Highgate to study under Mistress Asha, uh, the only tiefling druid in the entirety of the land. Uh, She holds uh, basically an Arboreal College here within Highgate, uh, teaching about all sorts of alchemy and extraplanar uh, caretaking of plants, uh, and her garden, which is essentially a gigantic greenhouse in the middle of the living ward, uh, here in Highgate, uh, is just full of creatures and plants and things that even you have never even heard about in books. Uh, she's a kind person. Uh, who her sharp angles and severity of face are are sort of off put by the unkempt nature of her clothing. Uh, she is sort of the stereotypical druid in the way of she doesn't really take care of her appearance because she care. It's not really what's important to her. Uh, and her companion, Bowser, uh, a gigantic grizzly bear uh, who has been awakened, uh, helps teach your class. And uh, It is during this that every time you blow yourself up just a little bit, uh, she seems quite content and happy with you. uh, In so much as giving you even personal attention after hours to help fuel your unending questions. So one of your classes is coming to an end here. uh, And and what would Merzi be doing, uh, let's say, after one of your normal classes?
4: Well,
2: in this particular case, we had a little accident.
3: Okay, what type of accident did you have? Tell, tell us about it. Uh,
2: well, well, I mean, I take it kind of as a personal challenge. Um, don't mix this with that um, because it'll explode.
3: Okay, so you have learned uh, a certain that, that, couple chemicals yeah. that are volatile. Uh,
2: well, that, that, that when she says, don't mix this with that, it'll explode. That she really does mean don't mix this with that because it'll explode. Um, the hair will grow back on the left side of my face. Um, and but the, but the problem is that I broke my glasses. Um, so I got to figure out how to fix my glasses.
3: And Asha sort of laughs a little bit as she dismisses the rest of the class. Uh, she kind of walks over and, and pats you on the shoulder, and she's like, it's it's okay. Uh, don't worry about it. I'm sh- certain we have another pair of glasses or, or something that we can give you. Um, I'll go take a look out, out back and, and see if we have anything here. Uh, and she rushes out and just kind of brushes everybody outside and, and clears the room out. Uh, and Bowser just looks at you very severely and shakes his head and just goes, you, you are v- very loud. I'm sorry. There's so
2: much to learn, and I just want to learn it all. And look, that one's red, and that one's blue, and that one over there matches the color of my hair. And, I, I mean, there's just all this stuff to do, and, and mixing stuff is like tinkering. Do you want to see my music box?
3: I think I will pass on that. Thank you. I will go check on the mistress. You remain. We will return. And he sort of chuck. You can hear him chuckling to himself as he turns around and and walks out of uh, the little greenhouse area that is your class. Uh, and you're you're there kind of messing with your chemicals and your concoctions and your mixtures for uh, maybe a quarter of an hour or so uh, until you hear the door open and close again. Uh, and you see walking through not Asha or not any of the other students and, and not Bowser. Uh, But a gentleman wearing a odd colored suit with tails dragging behind him, uh, a weird top hat, uh, and he appears to be a goblin of some type, uh, except his skin's a little too pastel. uh, And he just walks around, graining ear to ear, looking at all of the different plants. Uh, You see him walk over to one of the ones that uh, very clearly is marked, do not touch, your hand will be eaten. Uh, And he... Goes to move to touch the plant. What do you do? Don't touch that! And he sort of looks at you. Well, why ever would I not? He just wants attention.
2: I'm going to jump down off my chair, which you have to understand- they don't make gnome-sized chairs because then I can't see over the top of the table. So I have to have a chair that has a ladder that <laughs> I have to climb up the ladder and then I have to jump down onto the floor. Um, and so then I go running over and I go running, don't touch that. And I'm going to whip out the red wand and I'm going to smack him on the hand with it.
3: Ow, that, that was rude.
2: No, it's not rude. I'm saving your hand. It tried to eat Tubi.
3: What is a Tubi?
2: Oh, Tubi! Tubi! Come here.
3: What what is... Explain to the listeners at home what Tubi is.
2: So, fluttering over uh, across the top of the greenhouse, you see this whelpling. At least, that's sort of what it looks like. And it comes and it lands on my shoulders. Now... Normally a whelpling would be probably about the size of um I don't know.
3: Large cat, probably. Yeah, a large cat. Yeah.
2: Tubi's not that big. Tubi's about the size of a guinea pig.
3: So does does Tubi have you given Tubi the ability to speak yet or no?
2: Tubi t- cannot speak. Tubi belches.
3: Okay, so as Tubi sort of flutters over to you and lands on your shoulder, nuzzles you a little bit and just bleh, a little little tiny puff of uh, chemical flame sort of comes out of its mouth. Uh, and Tubi looks at the goblin with a uh, quizzical uh, look and just kind of looks back at you like, should I eat it? Should I eat this?
2: No, no, he's he's not. it give you indigestion. And you know, remember the last time. It took us two weeks to figure that out. So, um, no. I will. I have a Tubi, and I'm not afraid to use it. Don't touch the plant.
3: And he the goblin starts laughing and the the sound of it almost sounds like nails on a chalkboard to you. Uh, It it just goes straight through you. Uh, And he's like, ah, yes, I I understand. I won't, uh, I won't upset you, but if I may show you a trick. And he reaches out his hand and he, he makes a gesture of, you know, calm to you. And he holds out his hand to the plant. And at first you think, The plant is going to, like, snap down on him. But it's almost as if the plant is smelling the air around his hand. And then it starts to purr. And it rests its bulbous head uh, upon his hand. And almost nuzzles it like a cat. These things are wildly misunderstood. They just require the right touch.
2: Oh, the smokestack. Criven's.
3: But that is not why I'm here. And he sort of pats the plant and it, it retracts in and sort of almost like goes into itself, like curling up, like it's going to take a nap. I'm here because I require materials for potions. Oh, okay. I need, and he gives like this long list of plants that you are relatively confident that are here in the shop, uh, that, that you could probably get and, you know, help them out with, uh, You're not sure where Mr. Sasha is. Usually she handles the transactions, but you think you can handle it. I
2: feel like, what's his name? Um, Oh, man. From Blazing Saddles. The guy who, uh, here, take a message. And he spends the whole message trying to find a piece of paper and a pencil. (laughs) Yeah, kind (laughs) of. I've got this jacket on. For listeners at home, I wear this denim jacket. And it's covered with pockets, both inside the front, outside the front and inside the front. And that's where all my stuff is. But I don't seem to have a a piece of paper or a pencil.
3: Oh, he he just hands you like this little tiny scroll. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. I have it all written down. Um, And he hands it to you. And it's very small and you can unroll it. And it's got a list of about 20 different plants on it. Uh, that you can go through and and try to get your hands on. So, do you do you actually try I to complete can the list?
2: Do this for you. Do you need it right now?
3: Oh yes, no, but with with all haste would be absolutely wonderful. I have okay. a I have a show uh, that I must prepare for tonight.
2: You want to sit over here at the chair. Um, you can sit at my chair. You just have to climb up. Um, and I'll I'll do my best to collect this.
3: Oh I thank you. You're so gracious. And he goes, To be you
2: sit you sit and watch, okay? You be good good boy and sit and watch.
3: Yeah, and Tubi kind of flutters over to the table and just like uh bravely like puffs out its mechanical chest, uh as small as it is, and flaps its wings and like gives you like a little wing salute uh and then goes to just watching as this you know person moves over to the chair and sits directly into your chair seems to hop up no problem uh actually as you are watching him you notice that he sort of does like a little acrobatic twirl instead of climbing the uh the ladder into your chair to sort of like flip himself up almost as if he was jumping onto a saddle and then sits very properly as he takes his hat and places it on the table and folds his hands in front of him after crossing his leg
2: doesn't take this you guy's weird yeah. all right let's get this done it,
3: it doesn't take you long to find all of the items that are on the list, maybe 10 minutes or so, uh, and you find everything. It's nothing too exotic, uh, and you bring it over, and you estimate about how many uh, vials he'll need for the level of concoction that looks like he's trying to build, uh, and you bring it all over into a nice, nice little crate uh, with the plants all tucked away in nice little traveling pots uh, in case he wishes to keep them fresh. Uh, a bunch of the the little, almost like canopic style glass jars uh, for the actual uh, mixtures or tinctures, whatever he's making with them. Uh, and you put it down. Oh, you've done marvelous! Thank you, thank you. How much do I owe you? Hey. You estimate the contents that he requested is probably no more than fifty, sixty gold, give or take.
2: Oh, okay, because <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> she does all the work. I just, I'm just trying to learn. Uh,
3: so you, you tell him, and he places a a pretty sizable sack of coin down. Uh, you lo- you'd open it up, and it's probably a good 200 gold in there.
2: Um, this is a little much.
3: Oh, nonsense. It's only money. Uh, consider it a tip for your prompt service. You're saving me quite a headache. Oh, yes, only money. I'm a traveling performer. We we travel all of the planes and entertain for all of creation. It is fantastic money sort of becomes uh, meaningless after a while uh and he sort of like stares off into the distance a little bit but you've been most helpful i appreciate it uh, as a okay. special as a special gift uh for you personally and he reaches into uh the inside of his hat and pulls out a little golden ticket with your name uh, etched into it you never told me wait a him your minute
2: name. wait a minute i never told you who i was this is even spelled right.
3: Oh, yeah, the, the small tubular one told me. And you look over oh. at Tubi, and Tubi kind of, like, ducks its head and, like, almost like an apologetic look.
2: You and I are going to have to have a conversation later.
3: And it just... And hides under its wing. But if you wish to see our show, we're we're only here for this evening, and, well... The ticket will give you entry into our wonderful, wonderful uh, show of delightfulness. Uh, All you have to do is rip the ticket at the uh, appropriate hour, and, well, you and your small companion here will simply appear in our stands. It'll be fantastic. Okay. But I must go. I have so much more to do before this evening. Thank you so much. And he hops down from the chair, no problem, and... You turn around for a second to take a look at Tooby and sort of scold, him, scold them a little bit more. And as you turn around, you notice that he's gone. The door never opened or closed. You didn't hear it this time. The bell did not ring. And he's gone.
0: You know, the
2: last time we had this happen, this was followed by those six bugbears.
3: And, and Tooby looks at you and makes a stamping of uh, five times with his feet.
2: Oh, there were only five? Well, when you're my size, all the legs look the same.
3: <laughs> and now we will fade to black on that one for a little bit, and we're going to move over to May. Uh, so May is coming to Highgate because, well, it's just a place to go. It's another exploration to have, another place to visit. Uh, you're on what's called the Champion's Road, which leads into the main uh, lands gate of the city. Uh, and there's it's a wide road, uh, almost Highway-esque in its its length and, and breadth. Uh, it's paved, uh, complete with a beautiful stone that looks like it hasn't been worn down by time. As you're walking across it, you think to yourself that probably carts should have made ruts in it by now. Everywhere else you've been, you've definitely seen ruts in the roads and, and everything else. But there's definitely none here, which is, which is odd. And as you get closer to the city, you'll notice that there's statues lining uh, the road. And it looks like they're modeled after different humanoids or different figures. Um, how much history of the land does May actually know, would you say? Does she no- any skill. What's that?
0: Have a proficiency in the skill. Okay. Uh, so I so- have whatever, you know, people who don't know much would know. It's nothing to do with her people, so...
3: Yeah, so you you wouldn't really recognize any of the, the, the faces or names associated with any of the statues. But what you do notice is sort of like your uh, predator's instinct sort of kicks in a little bit. Uh, and you pay attention and you notice that as you're moving down this road towards the city, it's almost like the eyes of the statues are scanning everybody coming into the city, um, sweeping over them and... Uh, m- giving you almost like an unsettling you're being watched type of feeling. Not in a malicious way, but in a what you would expect when you visit cities and you see, like, the guard on patrol type deal. Uh, it definitely makes the uh, the, little, the little hairs on the back of your neck stand up just... Uh, but the gates as you get to the city are large, uh, standing 80 feet tall uh, and probably 60 feet wide, and they are completely wide open. There are guards stationed there uh and they are you know answering people's questions and directing traffic they don't seem to be too on guard for anything like they're no not like defending for an attack and doesn't look like they're really scanning too hard of anybody coming into the city uh this seems pretty you're not used to seeing such freeness as far as people coming and going inside of cities uh but they welcome you. I am
0: i mean the only cities i would really know from home really the Jotenberg and uh, the Hidden Grove.
3: Yeah, but so. even both of those cities that you've been to, they are very restrictive with, like, you know, giving you, like, almost like a bill of rules. Like, don't do this, don't do that. Uh, make yeah, sure we you- didn't go
0: in very often, yeah.
3: Yeah. So this seems a little, little at odds with what you know from Jotenberg and, and the Hidden Grove. But they welcome you, no problem. Uh, you see other uh, Leonin from other prides elsewhere in the lands. Uh, here and there, you see... Uh, tabaxi, you see uh, other various humanoids, uh, and everybody seems to just kind of be going to either market or coming to the city for what looks like, almost like touristy type thing. Uh, And as you're moving to the city, you're greeted with what they call Founder's Row, Uh, and it's a giant plaza, and at the center of it is a uh, massive fountain uh, water fixture type thing that has the uh, six heroes that freed the free land's uh, back in, you know, 25 years ago, uh, etched around the fountain uh, and from their hands flow the water. And it's it's really ostentatious and over the top. Uh, and at the plaque at the bottom, it just, you know, reads paid for by Walter. That's, that's all it says at the bottom. And standing just off to the side, it looks like there's a... A large, burly man uh, in, like, a leopard-print singlet. uh, A giant handlebar mustache. uh, A really over-the-top, oversized top hat. And a megaphone. A tube-type thing. Barking at the crowd. "Uh, Come one, come all! Tonight, one night only on this land, we grace this wonderful city of Highgate. With a one-evening-only circus of delights, all you must do is simply pay the appropriate coin for an evening of entertainment. And you see, people are, you know, talking to themselves, milling about, and there, you know, a couple of them are coming over, and they're tossing, you know, coin at him, and he's handing them tickets out, uh, and he sort of locks eyes with you and singles in. You, you look rather large. How are you today? I am my. Hi, my. I am Jeremy. Do you like adventure?
0: I smell him. Can I make an, I'll uh, make an insight check.
3: Absolutely. Go for it.
0: Now I need to know what my insight is. Give me one second. Sorry.
3: <laughs> nope. You have a plus okay, five. Okay. It's
0: actually pretty solid.
3: Yeah. Are you rolling in real life? There.
0: Um, got a 15.
3: Yeah. You, he smells mostly normal. Uh, he smells like a, a, like you would expect an unclean human to, to smell. Uh, but there's a slight air of, of bitterness to him. Um, it, just a little bit off, nothing that really screams like demon or devil or anything like that to you. Uh, but then again, you've never really encountered anything yeah. other than this plane, so you don't
0: he doesn't he just doesn't he doesn't smell obviously bad. Not obviously and, bad, no. Okay. I lick my paw and begin smoothing the hair back from my forehead, like in a grooming ritual. Okay. And I'm kind of ignoring him now. Like I've stopped paying attention to him because I'm engrossed in this.
3: I am very sorry if I upset you, May. No, you
0: just don't smell good.
3: I, I, well, life on the road is hard. You Uh, should
0: keep yourself clean.
3: I will try. Prey can smell you. Well, I don't really have to worry too much about prey.
0: If you're downwind, that's not a problem. But if you're upwind, it can be a problem.
3: And he seems to pause, and he thinks about that for a moment. He puts his hand to his, his chin, and he strokes it. That is good advice. I will attempt to thank you. May I repay the favor? I smell fine. You do, but uh, I would I like look to- I
0: now look really kind of insulted that he said that. Like that he asked if he could return the favor. Like I groom myself every day.
3: No, perhaps I am not clear. I wish to express gratitude towards you. And he hands out a ticket to you. Free. For giving what such is, good advice. What is this? Uh it is a writ of entry to our circus.
0: You can come and have a good evening of fun and entertainment. What is what is that?
3: Does May not know what a
0: circus is? Why would you know what a circus is? They don't have circuses. (laughs) The Giants don't throw a ton of circuses. My client, if they did, my clan would be avoiding them anyway. I don't think I would. Do they have circuses in Hidden Grove? Uh, Yeah, they do. Okay, then I might know what one is. Let me make an an, an int check. Sure. Would that be just straight up int check, or would it be like an int or investigation or insight or what? What would that be? Uh, You know what? We're going to go ahead
3: and say that this would be a... Not an in check. We'll say a wisdom check. We'll see if you remember the item. So just a straight plus two.
0: No, I have no idea what he's talking about.
3: Okay. Yeah. He can see the confusion on your face, and he he hops down, and he puts the, uh, the cone down on where the, the box that he was standing on. He's like, I see it in your face. You don't understand what a circus is. It is an entertainment for people, and he starts doing like a, a series of tricks, like acrobatics and and things like that. And he, as he's explaining, like you know, feats of strength, and uh, he lifts up a couple people in his hands uh, and and holds them up high, and they're they're giggling and laughing, and the crowd is cheering. Uh, it is entertainment uh, with delights uh, and feats of adventure from the safety of the stands. Uh, perhaps it is something you should experience. Uh, please, if you decide to join us this evening, it is on me. And he hands you the ticket. And it May can read, correct?
0: But if, oh yeah, she can read. If this is on you, why am I holding it now? It's on me. I don't understand. I mean, Here, that, I mean, you that. want you want the shiny things. That's what you all like. I've seen that. We used to have, we used to trade the shiny things. They the people would bring us shiny things, and we would give them pelts. Can- Consider yes.
3: consider your advice to me, what you paid me. That is my shiny. Th- this is my repayment for that advice. A barter, a trade, equitable.
0: Yes? We, we, yeah, we understand the concept. It's just, you know, I all I did was tell you you should bathe more. And you are the- not really, It's and you're not worth whatever this is. So I'll give you the shiny things. How many shiny things? One shiny thing. I fish out a bottle cap. He takes it. I'm not sure where that one comes from. Found it.
3: Well, it is very shiny and I will add it with the rest. Thank you. But please, if t- this evening, join us, entertain a- and be entertained. Consider it. And I hope to see you again. And he goes back to basically standing on top of the little soapbox and he starts barking. and,
0: and Is there anybody like walking close to me at the moment? Yeah, like any- tons of people. Okay. I'm going to grab one and pick it up to see if people laugh and get entertained by this.
3: Uh, you know what? Roll me just a straight D20. Let's just see. Let's okay. see what, let's leave it up to fate and see what happens here. Uh, you wind up picking up a rather severe looking man, uh, and a, what looks like a finely tailored suit. Uh, and he's like,
0: what? No, I, not. what are you doing? This is supposed to be entertaining. And he you did it. See,
3: and you can see like the crowd is laughing, uh, like pretty, like the ones that are seeing it and noticing what's going on. They are they think it's hilarious.
0: Are you not entertained? No, please
3: put me down. Put me down. Okay, I put him down. And he, oh, I never.
0: Okay, you, now you have though, right? <sighs>
3: Cat people. I can do it and again he, if you want. And he just, as you say that, his eyes get wide. He turns around and he just runs off. He didn't seem entertained. And people are just still laughing. So
0: since no one's explaining that to me, I walk off trying to find a place to sleep because I don't currently have any lodgings in this place.
3: Yeah. Uh, And you ask a few places and uh, you can actually get directed to uh, Walters over down by the uh, the middle by where the main sky dock is. It looks like there's a a large hotel and and casino resort type area. I
0: I probably had to take a sky sky travel to get here or a boat of some kind. No, you, you walked in off the main road. No, I'm, but I meant to this continent, because it's not the same continent, right? You would have taken a boat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I do know the ports that I understand now.
3: Yeah, por- so. ports is a concept you would definitely understand. Jotunberg has a port.
0: Yeah, that probably would have been how I got out of there. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll head there. Okay.
3: Uh, yeah, and it's it's definitely way more ostentatious than you're used to. There's a lot of decoration, and it's, it's very over the top. You've been to a few human cities uh, in your travels across this continent. Uh, this is definitely one of the fancier ones. Um you didn't get to go to the super fancy one up north because they turned you away at the border and didn't quite want you there. They said something about your kind doesn't belong here. Uh so you just turned around and went south, and that's how you wound up here at, at Highgate. Um but you walk into uh Walters and Uh, It's a rather large building, probably the largest all around it. Uh, Think of it almost like one of those corner buildings that looks, it's like triangular. It goes off to the sides at that severe angle and then loops back around. It's very, very tall, probably a good 13, 14 stories. Uh, which is massive for construction, even in this day and age. Uh, it's not as big as the main port, which you can see behind it. Uh, it looks almost like a mountain of metal and wood. Uh, and you can see up at the top airships coming and going, and, um, but Walter seems like it was placed specifically to give sort of that impressive backdrop behind it of Highgate's main feature. Um, but you walk in and you're greeted by a uh, foyer that's well paved and decorated. Um, it looks like they are lush carpeting, and as your feet sink into it, you sort of get that almost like cat reaction of "Ooh, this is this is fluffy. I could I could dig with this." Um, but you walk up to the the counter and there's a a uh, rather small humanoid. Uh, you recognize it to be a dwarf uh, who looks up and her braided fire red hair and
0: adjusts her glasses. Oh, hello, how can I help you today? I have shiny things and I need a place to sleep. Oh, we have many of those. Uh, do you require
3: any sort of special room? Do you need forests or do you need something a little
0: more snowy? Uh, we have accommodations for everybody. I... Uh need a place where I can sleep? Well, we have normal rooms as well. Uh, they
3: have regular beds uh, but we, we, for you know and she gives out like, it th- looks like a book and it's got pictures of the different types of rooms and it looks like they have ones that are you know, f- jungle themed and airship themed and pirate ship themed and, and everything else and then they have plain rooms that look like 10 by 10 cells with like a cot
0: Okay, this kind but without that thing in it
3: Which one are you pointing to?
0: The ones that you just mentioned, the 10x10 10 10 cell, like, looking around. Oh, uh, you you don't need a bed in it? What's... No, no. I just need a place to sleep. Oh, cool. um, Okay. If you had fire, uh, one with fire would be nice, but I don't really need that. It's just nice. It's nice to sleep around a fire uh, just because it gets warm, but it's not necessary. Oh, we we can definitely
3: make that happen for you. Um, it'll take me a little bit to prepare a room for you. Um, we do have a dinner service. Um, and she points to you know two doors, one on the left, one on the right. Uh, if you, uh, she kind of looks you up and down. If your room choice is any indicator, she points to the one on the right. I think you'll find a hearty meal, uh, good company, and warm comfort waiting for you there. Uh, and one of our porters will come get you when your room is ready.
0: Okay. Okay. I'll go into the very direction she pointed. Okay.
3: Uh, and you walk through what looks like a large open door, uh, probably a good 15 feet tall, a good 8 feet wide, and it opens up and uh, almost looks like it's leading into a mountain, and it's like a tunnel. Uh, and as you go in and it opens up a little bit more into what looks like a giant cavern, uh, it looks almost like a mine. Uh, and you see a bar and you see tables and you see several dwarves and, and gnomes, uh, even a few drow. Uh, sitting around, and there are massive hearths that line most of the walls. Anything that doesn't have a bar basically has a hearth with comfortable-looking furniture, uh, lush carpeting pillows, uh, and places for you to sort of uh, get comfortable. And just so, uh, because I feel this is going to be fun and pertinent, uh, Ron, this is very shortly after uh, your mysterious visitor has departed that you see uh, a... Well, I guess describe yourself. What what they see as you walk in?
0: Okay, um, I'm about six foot seven inches tall. Uh, not the largest Leonin you'll have ever seen. Most of the males are closer to seven feet. I'm I'm shorter than that. Uh, kind of like reddish, like reddish fur, mane type hair. Uh, it covers like the top of my head and the, like I have sideburns of it. Uh, fangs, kind of tawny skin. My fur is patterned a little bit around the mouth and the eyes. I got that from my mom. Uh, it's it's like if you've ever seen like a cub, a lion cub as opposed to like an adult lion, the lion cubs have like spots. I have those that kinda get faint as they go further down you know towards me. My body doesn't have them anymore. I used to have them all over, but I don't have them anymore. I'm wearing kind of like a, a breastplate and like greaves and, and, and bracers. That are all made of like the same kind of metal. It's kind of a, it's a shiny metal. You think it might be bronze. You're not 100%. It might be, it might be, you know, some other metal that you don't know. Uh, but th- I'm, that's pretty much what I'm wearing for armor. I have a gigantic scythe strapped across my back with the blade towards my feet. I have to take it off to sit down. So like I take it off and plop it down uh, in front of me and I sit down. I kind of curl up in a chair when I sit down. Yeah, like I don't. I don't sit normally. I I kind of fold myself around into it so that like, like I'm sort of. If you've ever seen a cat, you know, getting comfortable in some place, that's kind of what I do. If there's a cushion in the seat, I kind of like claw at it a little first. <laughs> you do uh, a little bit I, of the kneading. Yeah, but then I sit down, okay. uh, and I'm just kind of like looking around, um, pretty pretty blatantly looking around. Like I'm not trying to restrain it. I'm not hiding that I am surveilling the room, going, "Ooh, ooh there's that. There's that. Never seen one of those." Um, that's basically it, though.
3: Uh, So you, yeah, you definitely take a look around. You don't notice anything uh, too extraordinary as far as the patrons go. Um, You do catch a whiff of that same odd scent that you caught from the person you spoke with at the gate.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll take out that ticket thing and start looking at it. And I'm not, again, I'm looking at it pretty blatantly. I'm like, I'll sniff it a couple times and like put it down. And then I actually like reach out and kind of like a couple of times with my claws. Like I'm kind of like, touching it and pulling back touching it pulling back yeah when nothing happens i like i move it a little and if nothing happens then i kind of just stare at it and then i just like so make me a perception
3: check and we're gonna we're gonna see if we can how you zero in on this your perception is a plus five good one
4: making a perception
3: check uh rossi is 23 yeah 23 so as you put the ticket down uh you still smell that scent and it's it's not as strong is when you have the ticket up by your face, but you turn your head and you look over at the bar and you see um, how does how does Ron present right now? What is the humanoid appears? Uh,
4: I think Ron presents usually she is not a changeling on her outward appearance. She's a halfling with brown curly hair that's tied back in some way and, you know, a kind of cheerful, harmless demeanor and she's wearing kind of a cute little red dress. Uh, So
3: you see that, and then you see uh, a blue-skinned humanoid figure standing beside her, and they're both looking in their hands at the same type of ticket you have, but they look confused and slightly off-put. They don't even seem to notice you.
0: Okay, Uh, I will get up and walk over towards them then. All right.
3: Uh, you two, as you're talking about, you know, the wrongness of the person you just interacted with, uh, a Leonin female walks over to and just kind of like stands at the bar staring at you.
4: Uh, Ron will put on kind of her helpful, friendly kind of bartender face. Can I Can I help you? Do you need something?
0: A bad smelling person gave me one of those and I pointed the ticket. Uh,
4: uh, but then when I picked what?
0: up, when I lifted up a man on the street, he didn't find it funny.
4: Oh. Um, no, based on what I know, I don't think a person being randomly lifted on the But that's what he said it was it. for.
0: He said it was to go to the circus and watch people get lifted up,
4: because apparently
0: that's entertaining.
4: Um, Ron has probably also never been to a circus, so she only knows this sort of by...
0: I would say Ron knows what General a circus knowledge. is.
4: You've,
3: you've, you've yeah, traveled enough. Knows. You know what it is, yeah.
4: She knows what it is, but I don't think she's into one. Like, going to things for entertainment is not something she's ever had the opportunity to do so um yes i suppose that could be entertaining as part of an act or a show but i it seems it might be a little rude to pick someone up just
0: on the street then why did they laugh i don't I, why would i want to go to this thing and why did he give me one of those things and why do they smell bad and why do you have one
4: uh, um I kind of look at Denier and kind of look back at uh, May and I'm a little unusual situations could throw Ron because she doesn't have enough kind of life experience to know how to roll with normal social interactions. Is a normal social interaction? Um, I, I think I, I think
3: Deaner Dien, probably has more experience with social interaction and has probably been trying to help you with that a little bit I think.
1: <laughs> um I'm certain that he knows circuses and all, but this kind of circus, is there something at all he would know about this?
3: Well, why don't you go ahead and make me a history check, please? And I'm going to give you advantage, because you have actually traveled outside of this plane of existence.
1: Okay, that's a 23.
3: <laughs> you rolled, actually, for those For those 90. of you at home, double 19s. <laughs> uh, you, you remember hearing a tale as one of your other masters once said, uh, that there was a interplanar circus that invite only, it wasn't something you could purchase your way into. He even at one point, Try to get you to use your magic to produce an invitation for him. But when you tried to complete the task, despite the fact that your magic succeeded, there was almost like a feedback loop. Uh, and it is actually what wound up killing that master uh, and, you know, forcing you to wait for the next one to pick up your lamp. Um, it's an odd thing, but it the stories that he would talk about was this It was a pocket plane, uh, a place that existed outside of the normal flow of the cosmology uh, and existed purely for entertainment purposes for quite literally the entire multiverse.
1: And I assume I relay that story to them.
3: Well, you tell me. Do you relay that story to them?
1: Oh, if I knew that, then yes, I would definitely tell Ron what I had heard. Okay.
3: now just to sort of bring everything together. Um, as you were telling this story, uh, you have had quite a day. You've blown yourself up. Um, you haven't been able to find your glasses and it's late. You're hungry. You're thirsty. So you're going to go to the one place that you feel comfortable because nobody ever questions you. They let you be, uh, you can actually tinker there. Nobody seems to care. Uh, as a matter of fact, you've blown stuff up there and they haven't kicked you out. So it's probably your favorite place in the entirety of the city. Um, You wind up going to Walter's to the underground grotto uh, where you walk in roughly at the time that Dinar is explaining this particular thing. And you're still holding that golden ticket in your hand. And Tubi is trying to convey to you that it's sorry (laughs) as you're walking in. And you see a giant Leonin woman talking to a halfling, talking to that you know is Ron. You've interacted with Ron before. Uh, Ron is very kind to you, uh, and you know Dinar. Dinar is also very kind to you, and they often clean up your messes and sort of, like, almost treat you familiarly, Um, so you're comfortable around them, and you see them talking to this rather impressive-looking feline humanoid, and you notice in their hands they all have a golden ticket just like you.
2: I'm going to walk up to Ron and tug on uh, Ron's coat and uh i'll look down and
4: oh hello marzi do you do you need anything you got one of these too huh Um, yes it was kind of unusual a gentleman just came up and decided to give them to us i don't know
2: whether i want to go but there might be explosions
1: <laughs> hey these are rare i could our explosions them.
0: considered to be before. are explosions considered to be entertaining
2: oh hello you're pretty
0: Yes, I am.
2: I'm Mersey. This is Tubi.
3: I am I. And you see like on her shoulder is a little mechanical, almost like dragon whelpling about the size of a guinea pig. And as she says, this is Tubi, it holds out its wing like it's trying to shake your hand.
0: I will. Do do I know that custom? Yes. I probably know that. You know that custom. I put my hand like fist into palm and bow slightly as like an acknowledgement, but I don't touch it.
3: Oh, To Be looks at its its wing and then tries to mimic the gesture and falls off of Mersey's shoulder into her hands. Greeting, small thing. It coos as it's sort of being held in in Mersey's hand.
0: I am correct that this is not made of meat, correct?
2: This is correct. It is not made of meat.
0: You would be delicious if you were made of meat.
2: And I would be sad because you would probably be smack trying to sneak eat it. No, and... I
0: don't. I don't eat things just because they're delicious. I know that what I know not to eat things now. Oh. Now. There was some problems but I got the, I've gotten it. I've 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 learned that one. Don't just eat things. Check first.
3: So what we're hearing is May has passed the elf test. Got it.
0: So he, <laughs> elf, elf I would eat. That I need to kill.
2: It. <laughs> so Ron it was a goblin kind of dude who walked into class after class and he just plopped a bunch of gold on the counter and had me do some stuff, and then he gave me one of these. Yes, someone, not
4: a goblin, a humanoid.
3: Probably happen. about halfling. He presented almost like a halfling to you, yeah.
4: Um, He came in and ordered a terrible bottle of wine and tipped ridiculously and handed us these tickets.
0: I met a foul-smelling, well, mildly foul-smelling, almost similar to the tickets in the terms of how it smelled. uh human who traded me telling him he didn't smell good for this thing and then explained to me why I should want it. And I still don't understand, but nevertheless, that was what happened. I mean, humans don't smell that great in the first place, to be honest, but that's because they don't clean enough. And I begin, like after I said that, I give my paw another lick and begin grooming again, grooming my face.
3: Yeah, And and during this conversation, Diener has uh, presented you the information that he knows uh, including the bit about uh, not necessarily saying his former master because he has been scolded uh, about talking about master and servants uh, before. So he just explains that somebody he used to work with uh, tried to get a ticket to this particular circus
0: and died for it. So far, I've heard nothing to indicate this is worth dying for. That's interesting.
2: But why are they giving us tickets with our names on them?
0: Is my name on this thing?
3: Oh, yeah. You look at it now, and this is the first time you notice your full name. Including the epitaph. yeah,
0: the whole thing, mm,
3: perfectly, perfectly spelled, perfectly uh, punctuated, is on the ticket.
0: Most of most outsiders don't get the apostrophe in the. hint.
3: And you also remember, you never gave him your name.
0: I know that. Yes, they, I did not tell this person who I was. That's fascinating. We should almost certainly go now, so that when they attempt to kill us, we can kill them. They're going to attempt to kill us. Uh. I mean, here. I could be wrong. I mean, I was wrong about that. You know. That person who was um, handing out potion bottles filled with a red liquid—he uh, wasn't trying to kill me. You know, sometimes they're not. And it's all about- you can do is apologize. Sometimes to their families.
3: And uh, at this point, one of the uh, the old dwarves at the end of the bar, kind of like, picks his head off the bar. That's right. Sometimes you gotta defend yourself, and sometimes you just gotta apologize for what shakes out. Ron, can I have a- I don't want another- to again. Can I have another whiskey, Ron?
1: He's so <laughs> drunk. And then I use uh beige hand to hand him another whiskey.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Blue Boy. Thank you. And then he goes back to drinking and wine. Oh, takes a-
0: I know what that is. That's when they leave grain in water until it gets moldy. And sometimes, they, instead of getting moldy, it gets weird, and you you drink it, and then things don't make sense for a while.
3: And then he it's kind you, of you hear a mumble from the end of the bar. Damn
0: right. Repeat the uh, up up north uh, where I come from, the giants actually have these enormous cows, and they they do that with their milk, and they make something uh, curbis carb whatever it is. They drink that and then they pass out.
3: Ron, you and, actually are familiar with this because uh, the other one of the other bars is themed after the northern reaches, and they have that drink at the
0: other bar. You are very familiar with it.
4: Well, if you would like something like that we have one at the oh no 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 away.
0: no no you never do that because then you're not good for hunting you know you, you yes, oh, my mother my mother's would be so upset the, the idea and, and no it, woof, woof, no not a good idea at any moment prey might come by you never know prayer prey prey's everywhere and sometimes things think you're prey and then That's like, like the people who've given us these tickets obviously think we're prey and then you must kill them but that's just to establish things. Well, usually after you kill a few, they realize, oh, not worth it, and back off. But sometimes you have to kill all of them. It's, 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 a, it's a thing.
3: And the drunk dwarf I'm- from the end of the bar sort of chimes up at that point. He's like, yeah, you got to make sure they know that you're not weak. You're not easy pickings. And sometimes you got to pop them on the nose.
0: Yes. I'm, I'm, at this point, like, I, I pop my scythe on the ground. The blade part is down. So I pop the scythe on the ground. Yes.
3: And he tries to mimic. Exactly right. He tries to mimic the motion with the 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 bottle of whiskey, uh, and then stops just before he hits the bottom of the bar. And he goes, eh, "That wouldn't be good." And he just takes another swig. He's like, and he looks at you. and He's like, "You should go and tell them
0: that you're not easy prey, or find out what else they might do. Who knows? It's it's exciting. Is the point? It's new. I've not seen this. Maybe they got whiskey. Bring me back some whiskey, Ron.
4: I think you may have had enough." Don't
3: you tell me when I've had it? Yeah, I probably have had enough. I'm going <laughs> to go to my room. It's
0: called Kumis.
3: At this point, you know this old dwarf. His name is James. He uh used to be uh, the basically the head security for one of the major airship lines in the area a couple decades ago. Um, He won't talk about what caused him to go deep into the bottle, but oh boy, is he deep into that bottle. And he sort of like stumbles out and he walks past and he looks up at May. He's like, I like you. You should stick around.
0: I like me as well, but I don't know if I will.
3: That's fair. Ron, bye. I love you. And then he just kind of wanders out and stumbles out through the door. Oh, uh,
0: you and he?
4: Uh, not. Are you? No. He, he just, just
0: said he loves you.
4: He loves everybody. You.
0: Wow. that's I wouldn't have expected that. He doesn't look like he could.
1: <laughs>
3: and you, I mean. And you, you hear as he's walking down the hallway. Oh, Anthony, you're my best friend. I love you hmm anthony
4: ron just has been like this entire conversation she's kind of staring at me with her head sort of tilted like this is the first thing the first thing she said that really made sense was the thing about you know like killing people and like showing that you aren't prey and it's like it yeah, kind of makes sense yeah i'm kind of with that but most of the rest of it is kind of like this confused head tilt thing going on
3: yeah and it does make it does resonate with you, especially over the last few months since you've left the cult. Uh, you've had to try to send them a message that you aren't prey uh, more than once. Uh, so you're definitely familiar with that. Uh, But it's about seven bells right now. You can hear the clock start to chime. Uh, The sun has uh, just started setting uh, past the mountain. Uh, It's behind the port right now, the skyport, and you can see that things are starting to get a lot darker outside, um, even through the little tiny windows that this uh, bar has built into the walls. And your relief comes uh, a rather severe-looking dwarf uh, with... Fire red hair. Uh, Looks like one of his eyes has been gouged completely out and replaced with an orb of pure gold. Uh, He's the manager of this particular part of the uh, establishment. Uh, And Braun Firebeard walks over and says, Ron, you're good for the day. Thank you very much. Diener, you still ain't hired here, but you're still doing work, so I guess thank you.
1: He just nods.
3: And he just kind of. Go
4: ahead. Uh, Yeah, Ronald just
3: like wave i'll see you tomorrow yep you take care of yourself and he just goes back he gets behind the bar and he starts tending the things and he's moving pretty quickly you can tell he's a little bit of an older dwarf uh but he's running tables he's helping out the 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 waiting staff uh while also working the bar uh you can see like he's very friendly with everybody and though he looks very severe uh he's almost got like that fatherly look about him uh Ron, you know, he never, he doesn't have a family and he spends all of his time here in some capacity or another. Uh, but yeah, he's checking after the patrons, checking after the wait staff, uh, making sure everybody's good. He ducks behind into the kitchen every now and then, making sure that everybody's good back there. Uh, definitely genuinely cares. And he was also the first person to offer you a job when you were looking for it uh, simply because he said he reminded you of a daughter he never had.
0: I am going to go sit and wait for them to have my room ready where i will then sleep i guess i will go see this first when it's time uh if you wish to sit with me i will order them do you eat the kind of food that has been ruined by running it through fire or like how do you eat
4: i do usually eat food that's been run through by fire but there's all sorts of things here if you don't want that
0: well, we can sit, and I'm sure someone will come by. Is that, or do I have to tell them here what I want? You work here; you would know.
4: Yeah, I'll just say, tell me what you want, and I'll, I'll ask them.
0: Okay. Well, everybody else, I'm supposedly paying for this, so sure. Tell, tell her what you would like.
2: Well, you don't have to pay for me. Oh, but I, no,
0: you- I should do that because we are all involved in something unusual, and while we are not a pride, bonding f- begins with the sharing of food. That's how it starts. And then after a while, I mean, there's usually something else, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you guys can do that. Uh, you basically all give your orders, and Ron runs back, gives it to the chef. Uh, Firebeard will run it out to you guys as you guys sit in one of the corners, basically where May was posted up before. There's enough soft things to sit on in a small table uh, between a bunch of chairs by a fireplace. Uh, when I
0: get settled again, this time I, I place my scythe again on the ground, and I kind of curl up around the, the giant handle of the thing, mm-hmm. kind of like you know a cat on a cat tree. And every so often I'm kind of just scratching it. Going, and a, a nice feast is prepared and brought out to you uh
3: may they actually i
0: no no i do want my food ruined by running it through fire
3: you do I'm, I'm
0: learning that i'm learning that that's okay. new and it's a new thing and i don't understand why they do it but nevertheless that's what i want but don't run it through too much fire just just a little fire around the edges
1: <laughs> i can uh reduce flame needed
0: no no they, they're going to cook it you're not cooking it you're you're we're part of, part of the, this conspiracy against us. We have to deal with that.
1: And then you can cook food for me if I want. <laughs> okay, if there is not enough fire, I can
3: make more. Yeah, the food is prepared in a manner of your choosing. Uh, in the case of May, it is severely rare, but it is still passed through some fire. Uh, it is not quite blue, as, as they say. It's not a blue steak. Uh, it is definitely rare. Um, you're still not used to it. It's still... Squeaks you out a little bit, but you're trying. You're getting there.
0: Up and I I first saw the the fire thing in Jotenberg. They they do that, but they just build a fire and then they just kind of wave the food through it for so it wasn't too bad. But when I got to this place, there's there's these humans live in these groups, um, and and they they stay in one place. They don't move around. They just stay in one place. So I came upon a village. I don't remember its name, but it was fairly close to the place where I first came to this continent, and at first they ran away from me, and one of them attacked me with a pitchfork. After we got that dealt with, um, I didn't kill him because he was very old. Uh, I explained to them that I I had no interest in harming them. I was just looking to purchase something to eat for the road, or I would have to hunt for myself, which I'm totally okay with, but they seem to keep all the animals in pens, and I've learned that you don't, those aren't those are those belong to people. Did you know that? If they if they keep it in a pan, it belongs to someone. Wow, that was embarrassing. But at any rate, did that got some food, and that's when I realized they they cook it all the way through till yes, it's that's... like the same consistency all the way through, and that's just weird. As I'm saying this, I actually have meat like I'm ripping meat off of this thing, and like <laughs> <laughs> you know the way cats just like rip a big chunk with their tongue and teeth and just swallow it, and you know that's that's what I'm doing.
3: So, so Dinar, you've you've encountered Leonin before, and this is sort of par for the course. Uh, I would say, Ron and uh, and Mersey, you have never encountered a Leonin before. This is weirdly new and, and interesting interactions for you. So as, like, you're feeding Tubi from his little, uh, you know, guinea pig feeder of oil uh, and eating your own dinner, like, you're just kind of taken aback by the openness of May. <laughs> Like, there is no candidness. There is no sense of embarrassment, almost. It's so wildly different than anybody you've ever interacted with. So do you guys want to talk about anything in particular as the evening moves on? It's probably about 7.30, give or take,
0: right about now.
4: Do the tickets have a time on them?
0: It's eight bells. Eight bells.
4: So are we decided we're going to this?
0: Well, they know everyone's names. That That is a little
4: worrying, yes.
0: That implies that they wanted us for a reason. Um, if we don't go, then they will probably come back. And
4: that would be my concern. Yes. I
0: would rather deal with it as quickly as possible. If they are not hostile, then let's get that out of the way. And if they are hostile, some of them might be edible. Uh, either way, it's it's you know better to to pursue things quickly. I remember um, I, I don't know about your life experiences, but I remember, uh m- m- one of my fathers amrden would always say if you kill it now you don't have to kill it later
4: that is true you rarely have to kill things more than once
0: you have to kill things more than once rarely rarely that's that's really annoying
1: <laughs> things can rise yeah. from the dead there's undead there oh the resurrections
0: i yeah there's a city uh there's a city up north um that i knew about that there's no, the, yeah. the goddess the goddess hell uh, she's apparently big on that. I did know about that.
3: Yeah, and, and that's every, still very annoying. Everybody's heard of the city. It's is Nostrand in the north.
0: I did know about that.
3: Like if those ones, you don't have to kill because they're generally peaceful. So,
0: but if I did kill them, they might come back, and then I have to kill them again, and that's annoying. I think Things should so. stay dead when you kill them. <laughs> Especially if you eat them. If you eat them, do they
4: come back? They're they're ghosts and spirits. They don't come back the same way. But if- <laughs> that's that's
0: awful. <laughs>
3: Oh goodness! Uh, as the evening progresses, you guys are are sort of getting more acquainted with each other, and uh, some of some laughter is to be had between some of the stories. May some of the the, the things they talk about definitely strike you as odd, uh, in, but in a fascinating way. Um, And it is not long before the clock starts to chime on the wall Uh, and the old grandfather clock that's about as big as the room itself, uh, floor to ceiling, 20 feet tall, very wide, starts the deep chiming of the bells. Uh, And now is the time you look at your tickets and they they seem to have a faint glow about them, almost as if it's reflecting the light a little bit brighter than it would normally from the firelight. Um, Two bells.
0: I'll pop out a claw okay. and drag the claw across the top of the envelope uh, of the ticket. Okay.
4: Well, if we're going, we're going. And Ron will just rip the ticket in half just cleanly.
1: What about Mirazin and Diener? Yeah, he follows his master's lead.
2: Yep. Picks up Mayor, uh, Picks up Tubi, puts Tubi on her shoulder, gives her. Gives him a uh, piece of coal. Well, let's go see what all this excitement is about. MLB explosions.
3: The as you all rip the tickets, light starts to sort of flow from where the tear is. Uh, It's almost as if you've opened up an impossibly thin uh, packet or envelope. Uh, The light pours through and sort of makes everything excruciatingly bright to the point where it starts to actually hurt your eyes. Uh, You shut them against the light. uh, And as you start to feel the light recede, you open them up and a dizziness uh, takes you. Uh, it fades away. And before you, you start to see a large stage, uh, colorful light sources illuminate every inch of a sandy arena that you are in, uh, at a glance, the whole place resembles someone's weird version of a circus tent. Uh, you can see an impossibly tall ceiling that just, that just ascends into darkness, uh, off color, very similar in the weird way to how each of the gentlemen that you encountered were dressed. Uh, tapestry that goes out and down. Uh, there are stands that circle the entire entire area, and there are just tons of denizens cheering uh, from the different planes. You see angels and demons from the various planes of existence. You see uh, eladrin. You see folks from the fey wilds. You see undead. Uh, You see creatures of all manners of existence here uh, cheering and eating different treats while you four are sitting dead center of this arena and you hear a very loud, very feline voice start to speak. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to our newest, freshest contestants for today's games. Directly from the other world. Can they defeat our unique menagerie of beasts and fiends? Can they claim the grinning god's extraordinary gifts? Or... Will the souls be claimed instead? But most importantly, can they entertain you? And the crowd begins to cheer loudly. And you see, again, those, even those beings of order and light, they're just so into this. And you hear, let the games begin. So as the voice booms, Uh, you can actually start to see some things start to take form Uh, inside or on the stage itself is a rakasha uh, in ringmaster attire. Uh, It has a scepter that looks like it's topped with the skull of a human, a large whip looks like an imp sitting on its shoulder. And it is grinning at you as it sort of whips the middle of the air uh, in, in its place a creature starts to form. Uh, It is something you have never seen before. Uh, It has three heads. The first of it looks like a lion with ram's horn. Uh, The one head looks like that of a giant eagle. The other looks like a rhinoceros topped with armor. Its body has two clawed feet at the front of it uh, that end in severe reptile-like talons. Upon its back are giant leathery wings... Uh, reminiscent of that of a bat, and its end of its body terminates into what looks like a giant snake. Uh, And I don't just mean like a snake's tail. Instead of a tail tip, it has what looks like a viper's head uh, at the very end of its tail. And you hear that same feline voice uh, shout out, Ah, yes, our favorite pet, Lucy. (laughs) Please entertain us. And I'm gonna need everybody to roll some initiative.
4: Boy, this is this is totally fine. This is no big deal. What is my initiative? Okay.
0: Apparently, I'm going last. <clears throat>
4: yep. Ooh. Ooh, nice.
3: All right, so I guess we're gonna go through the list. Deb, what'd you get?
2: I got a natural twenty, and I have a plus two, so that's that's math. And I'm an English major, but I think I can figure <laughs> this out. Um, twenty. 20- two
3: <laughs> all right that's a 22 uh, i'm
2: never going to roll another 20 this... i just want you to know that
3: well well let's let's hope that there's more in your future uh what is what is ron going at there liz
4: 17 okay
3: our rakasha is a 17 what is your dex modifier
4: um mine is plus four
3: you will be going first uh okay uh dinar i got a 13 Okay, Uh, here, I'm guessing, Matt, you were the, what are you at, a five? Five, Uh, yep. The chimera goes before you, an 11, a five. All right, so top of the round. Mirzi, you are always a little bit quick on the trigger. What do you do? You are faced with this creature standing about 20 feet in front of you. Uh, It is between you and the stage where the uh, Rakasha is... Uh, laughing and sort of dancing across the stage uh, in a weird mimicry of a lion tamer, uh, egging this thing towards you. What do you do? And if you are talking, it is not coming through.
2: No, I'm not talking. I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear that noise? That's is what that the mechanical... That's what that noise is. That I'm thinking? <laughs> I am going to cast Dancing Lights, which is a cantrip, and maybe get it to follow the lights, cause I'm about the size of a fig Newton, and I don't want it to eat me.
3: All right, so dancing lights. and I believe that is me having to make a saving. Correct. Uh, let's see, vaguely humanoid save. We're gonna say that that's gonna be essentially what is the equivalent of a smart trick. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and roll a? We're gonna say a spell attack. Uh, just give me the total. We'll see how well it distracting the.
2: I told you, that's a six. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, plus your spellcasting ability. Uh, so yours is definitely a little bit higher than it. Look here, your spellcasting ability is Intellect, I believe.
2: That's a plus eight, so that's a 14.
3: Yep. All right, so that's not bad. Uh, you actually managed to distract the bird head. Uh, as you dance the lights, the bird head keeps snapping at it. Uh, the other two seem unimpressed. <clears throat> but you definitely have taken at least one of its, one of its heads out of the equation for this particular. Uh, next up is going to be Ron. Ron, what do you do?
4: How far away from it are we?
3: About 20 feet.
4: Oh no, this is an action, I think. Um, well, I'm going to, I have kind of a sword at my side and I'm going to pull it out and kind of like, uh, pull it like I'm pulling it in half and it's going to turn into like a rapier in one hand and a dagger in the, uh, and a short sword in the other. And I'm gonna bonus action hide if I can find some place to hide and to be stealthy, in any way.
3: Oh, uh, there is plenty of shadows for you to hide in. Uh, you can go ahead and make that bonus action hide check. Just let me know what the total is.
4: That's a thirty.
3: Uh, yeah, you are. You are the knight. You are disappeared into the shadows. <laughs> um, yeah. let's see. You're
2: hiding for so well. You don't know where you
4: are.
3: <laughs> I was gonna say for those
4: think... watching at home. I rolled a 20 and I have a plus 10.
3: Yeah, and uh, that beats the passive perception of both of my things, so they have no idea where you are. So anything, any attack you make or anything you do is going to be at advantage for that for that particular uh, surprise attack. So are you going to do anything else besides that?
4: No, because the the sword thing's in action.
3: Yep. All righty. Uh, so, that, that brings us to our Rakasha then, uh, who is not happy that you have disappeared. Uh, let's <laughs> see here. What is it going to do? uh innate soul cast. you know what it is going to try to do a detect thoughts uh and it is going to do it directed at merzy uh so why don't you go ahead and make me a spell save please a wisdom save uh merzy and let me know what happens
2: you would take wisdom hey i
3: can't help it that's what this. that's what the spell calls for
2: uh, seven. I'm not real smart, okay?
3: Well, no, you're plenty. S- i not real wise. I was going to say you're really plenty smart. You're plenty smart. You're just not wise.
2: I'm just not wise. <laughs> so I should run forward, not backwards, sideways, not upwards.
3: Oh. Uh, so basically, what it's going to wind up doing is it's going to get advantage on uh, anything you do against. Uh, it basically, it just gets into your head. It gets your your surface level thoughts. Uh, so it's going to know a little bit ahead of time if you make any action or attack against it. Uh, Nothing too crazy. Uh, It's just trying to prepare itself and thinks that you might wind up being a little more dangerous than uh, might first be assumed. All right, so that's going to be its turn, and he's going to move a little bit to make sure that he is between, uh, the Chimera is between him and you. Uh, That brings us up to Dinar. Dinar, it is your turn. What do you do?
1: Okay, two questions. I assume Chimera is a monstrosity not a beast even though it's
3: made up of beasts it is indeed a monstrosity correct
1: okay and is the rakasha within melee range of the chimera
3: it is within 15 feet its whip has a 15 foot range
1: okay then never mind i'm just going to go do my old normal warlock stuff and just um i guess eldritch blast that chimera
3: all right uh and i believe you're gonna have to make an attack roll
1: for that correct yeah so i have two Eldridge blasts so it's just pew pew at it
3: go for it that will hit that's an 18
1: and 11 on the second
3: that will miss so go ahead and roll me the damage for the one that you did
1: uh it's a whopping three damage
3: hey it's better than zero okay
1: and that was all i could do no bonus actions
3: okay uh so now it's going to be the chimera's turn uh and it is going to charge ahead uh let's see it's going to move it's not 30 feet so it can't actually make a full charge attack so you guys are lucky in that regard um but what it will do it's going to take a bite attack at may with the lion head uh and it's going to try to uh horn into dinar so it's going to see here uh that is a 19 to hit may does that hit yep okay uh you are going to A whopping seven points of damage as the rhino head or the uh, lion head bites into you. Okay. And DNR, I believe a 11 is going to miss you. Nope, 11 hits. Oh, 11 does hit. Okay, so that is D12. Uh, I apologize in advance. That is a 12 on the die. Uh, So you're going to take 12 bludgeoning damage as the rhino head smashes in.
0: No, he's not. Ouch. Oh. I invoke one of my runes and he does that damage to the Rakshasa. They're both within thirty feet of me. Uh,
3: the Rakasha is outside of thirty feet of you. He's thirty-five feet away from you.
0: Then he does it to himself. The ability doesn't say it has to be someone other than him. It says I can pick anybody.
3: All right. So it winds up. It does make contact. And Dinar, you feel the pain of the impact, uh, but then you notice that the Rhino, the Rhino head, sort of flinches, and it's almost like that pain just completely like leaves your body. Like it's not there anymore. It was there. You definitely got hit. You felt it get hit.
0: Uh, but yeah, it, it's gone. And
3: how how obvious are the runes on your weapon? Very
0: obvious. The rune on my scythe would go would be glowing bright blue. Uh, it's the cloud rune, um, which appears as a series of jagged slashes across a cloud. I this these runes are made by my fingernails. I carved this into the hilt, so that's the rune you see. Uh, and it like flashes up, and when it does, he takes the damage instead of Dinar.
3: Uh, okay, fantastic. I absolutely love it. Uh, so yeah, you guys do see that, and if you are arcane-inclined, uh, if you want to, you can make an arcane check to see if you understand that rune magic is in play. Just let me know if you're trying to determine that or not. Otherwise, you just kind of move on with your, your sort of rule. Okay.
1: I do have proficiency in arcane, so I'll roll it. Go for it. Uh, nine. Okay.
3: Uh, it's common enough. You, you don't know the specifics of it, but you've heard of rune magic before. Uh, this seems very obvious to it. Mayorzy, on the other hand, knows exactly what this is, uh, because she has read about this and has tried to duplicate it multiple times, uh, and has resulted in more than one explosion. Uh, she doesn't quite have the gift for rune making or rune carving.
2: She stands there with her <laughs> mouth open. <gasps> I
3: want this. Okay. Uh, so we will go ahead and, uh... Move on to the next one from there. So that brings us down to May. It is now May's turn, as the Chimera has burned all of its.
0: Okay, well, um, since it's now my round, I get my reaction back, right?
3: Uh, yeah, that is correct.
0: Okay. I don't need it for this, but uh, for a bon as a bonus action, I will um, swell up to sixteen feet tall. Okay. And uh, I don't can I, I can still hit things with my scythe, even though they're obviously within reach. Of, although it's got reach too, right?
3: It, it, your scythe has reach, so ten feet.
0: It it's within five feet of me. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's all right but on But I can top of you. Still, I can still hit it with my scythe. Yeah, is what I'm getting at. Okay.
3: Yeah, there's there's no you can you can use an item and with reach within five feet. There's no restriction.
0: Okay, then we'll make two attacks. First attack is a twenty-three.
3: That was definitely going to hit.
0: Second attack is a twenty, so it's a critical hit.
3: Yep, that's definitely going to hit as well. So go ahead and roll me some beautiful damage there.
0: First one is eleven. Okay.
3: And what about that beautiful critical damage there?
0: Well, um, this is the one that I'm going to use my. Uh, extra 1d6 damage around of course from being giant size but since it's a crit I use 2d6 yep you double the damage die Ooh, so it takes 30. 32 damage from that hit
3: it is not happy uh, It it is very angry uh, you guys see May just sort of the scythe uh, sort of blaze with with power and energy uh, as May swells to sixteen feet tall uh, and just lays into this thing and it takes a chunk of flesh out of it. Uh, it rips at it real bad uh, and this thing screams in unholy agony. Uh, it is super super hurt. Uh, I'm
0: then gonna move. Okay, I'm going to go i'm not going to move out of its threatened square because i know that that will get an attack of opportunity on me yep um but i am going to move around is it if i can like basically i don't know how far i can go but if possible i'm going to put myself between it and the party not between uh, on the other side of it and the party so that it has to kind of divide its attention
3: so you're trying to get behind it
0: yeah as much as i can oh yeah you i know can... there's a, i know there's a snake tail back there so i'm not gonna yeah, just you can you can definitely you can definitely get back there that's
3: not a problem. Um. It, what it is going to do, it is because it is a chimera and has a poisonous snake tail as a reaction to you moving anywhere through its threatened square. Uh, I'm,
0: not, the, I'm not going to do that if it's going to get its tail.
3: It will, but you have no idea to know that. So uh, you, your decision is being made before you know whether or not the tail can attack you. Sorry. I, mm.
0: Yeah, but they even said I wouldn't go near the tail before I started this.
3: But if you're staying engaged with it, it will have reach on you. I'll, okay. Okay. So it possibly can miss anyway, so it's just an attack. It literally just gets an attack. And it misses anyway because that is a critical fail. See? No problem. Uh, The the snake tail hisses at you, its hood flares out, it snaps, but it it misses at you because it's still reeling from the agony of the the hit you just dealt with it. Uh, And now it's going to move back around to Gim's turn unless there is anything else that you can do on your turn.
0: Uh, I think I used my bonus action. Yeah, um, I have my reaction, but I don't have anything I can... Yeah, I use my bonus action. Okay. So, yeah, uh, I think that's it.
3: All right. Uh, so, what does he do now?
0: So,
2: one of them's really badly hurt. One of them is still chasing the lights.
3: Yeah, the griffin... The, for right now, uh, the griffin seems still distracted. It will not be the case at the end of your turn, unless you try to do something else with it. And we can try to roll again to see if you can distract it
0: further with the lights.
2: I am oh. going to cast... Ooh.
0: No, I screwed up. It's too, it's too late. Go ahead.
2: I am going to cast mirror image, and there are now three maresies with three tubies. Alrighty then. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong?
3: Fantastic, uh, and that is a full action to cast that. Uh, do you tell them to do anything? You're spreading out, or are you just going to play the roulette game?
2: Um, we're just going to play the roulette game. Whatever needs to be distracted, we're going after that one.
3: Okay, uh, that brings us around to Ron's turn then. Unless you're gonna move or do anything else,
2: I might take a step backwards. Close.
3: I would I'm say like... with I would say with mirror image up, it will it will try to take an attack of opportunity, uh, but again, it'll be a one in four shot of it actually getting.
2: I think I want to take a step back anyway.
3: Okay, uh, pick a number one through four. Three. It does not take its attack at you. It takes an attack at one of your mirror images uh, and misses with a two. All right, uh, that brings us around to Ron. Ron, what are you gonna do?
4: Uh, I'm going to come up to the Chimera's flank, and I'm going to stab it.
3: All right, go right ahead. And I have
4: advantage, because I'm, You have advantage, right?
3: You have advantage, because it does not see you coming.
4: Well, and
0: because I'm flanking it, and I'm in melee.
3: Yep, yep. But you can't have double advantage.
4: Oh my god! I rolled a four! Oh my god!
3: Uh, that is definitely not going to hit.
4: Uh, yeah, with advantage! Oh!
3: For those of you uh, that can't see the dice rolls, Liz rolled a four and a one. Uh, you should be. That
4: is. Well, what's
3: so your you attack, have the offhand attack
4: Yeah, I can attack with the offhand.
3: But yeah, don't forget to add your attack bonus. Oh yeah. That can. It, my
4: attack bonus is an. It's an eight.
3: Yeah, it will still miss, but that is important because four plus eight is twelve. Uh, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a big difference.
3: Um. <laughs> so go ahead and make Second. the offhand attack. Not an advantage. It is not an advantage for the offhand attack, but you are not at disadvantage. Either.
4: Oh my god, the dice hate me.
3: Uh you take two big swings at it. You come uh stealthing out of the night and you just can't quite hit it. Um uh, sorry. I'm
4: going to hide. Alrighty. Yeah, 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 sometimes it happens.
3: Okay. So go ahead and roll your stealth. You can you can bonus action try to move out.
4: 21.
3: Okay, so you are moving out of combat. You are not taking the disengage action, correct?
4: Um cuz it's it's I can either you try to I can to... disengage. Yep. You have um, those... Actually let me disengage and move like twenty feet away from it.
3: Okay. Easy enough. Uh now it's gonna be the Rakash's turn, unless you got anything else you're going to do. Don't
4: have anything else. Okay.
3: Uh it is going to Well it sort of laughs, snaps its whip, and completely disappears. And that's gonna be its turn. Uh we're gonna move over to Demar. Or Dinar.
1: Okay. He um uh, he liked what uh What mirrors he did, he's also going to use mirror image and uh, make uh, three extra clones of himself. Really make it hard for the chimera to attack anything.
3: All right, fantastic.
1: And uh, and he can't attack as a bonus action unless he attacks because he has daggers. But he'd have to make an attack first with a dagger before using a bonus action, right?
3: Uh, Yes, well, yeah, I mean, okay. yeah, unless the bonus action requires you to make an attack, I'm a little loosey with that. You can do a bonus action and then a regular action. I don't care the order in which you do it. It doesn't really make a big difference unless the bonus action is continued upon an action. But, but you mirror imaged, right? So,
1: yeah, because I think it's, for the two-weapon fighting, bonus action requires the action for the it attack. It does. For, so. for two-weapon yeah, fighting. So. Yeah, so I think that's it. Okay,
3: any movement yep. or anything like that?
1: Uh, No, he, he's just he's going to keep facing the chimera. Now he's got his extra things to distract. Him.
3: Okay. Uh this is gonna be the Chimera's turn. Uh the Griffin Head snaps to attention, uh, and we are going to have a series of attacks here to see what happens. Uh the ram's horn or the rhino's head is going to try to well, let's see who it targets. We have four mazies, we have four dinars. We're gonna roll a deed It is going to attack one of the mirror images of Dinar, it makes contact. I believe it disappears when it gets hit. Correct. That is correct. All right, so you see one of one of yours disappears, leaving two mirror images behind. Uh, it seems very angry that there was not meat for it to bite in. Uh, the Griffin's head is going to take a bite at one of Mersey's images. That's going to hit, and one of those is going to go poof. Uh, you are down one as well. The Lion's head is going to instead of taking a bite is going to Exhale, fire in a 30-foot cone in front of it. Uh, so anybody who is standing in front of it is going to need to make a dexterity saving throw. So this is going to include uh, Dimar and uh, Merzi, and I will to let you make them at advantage since your clones are out. seven. Not great. Eleven. Also not great. And that's with advantage
2: that you rolled? Uh Oh, no. that's uh, That would be a 12 with advantage. I <laughs> mean,
3: well, no, your saving throw is for dexterity is plus two, but you only rolled one D20. Right. Roll another D20.
2: Oh, that's right. Sorry about that.
3: That's okay. I'm trying not to just outright kill you, you know.
2: <laughs> that's... Oh, there's my other 20.
3: Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you are going to take... Uh, the failed throw is going to be 13 points of fire damage. Uh, the successful is going to be half of that, so we're going to round down to six points a day. And let me just roll in. any of the... Mirror images are gone. Nope. The remaining mirror images are still there. They're good. Uh, they have taken on the appearance of the flaminess uh, that has started to singe your clothing, which, Z, uh it's not too much different than how you came in here, so you're good. Uh, which now brings us back around to May.
0: Okay. Um, it. I'm going to roar. And what does your uh, ro- roar do? Uh, daunting roar is a bonus action. Uh, once per short rest, so this is the one time I can use it. Uh, creatures of my choice within 10 feet, which would be the Rakshasa. But not the Rakshasa, the um, the multi-headed manticore like thing. Kamara. Uh, yeah. Kamara. It takes. Uh, it has to make a DC 15 Wisdom saving throw, or becomes frightened of me. Uh, it It'll probably a... make it, but we'll see.
3: Nope. I rolled a three, uh, which means at a plus two, it's a five, mm-hmm. so it fails, so it's afraid of you.
0: Uh, and now it so it it can still attack me. I believe it attacks at disadvantage.
3: It attacks a disadvantage. It can't move willfully towards you. It has to try to move away from you if it can. Uh, yeah. The interesting thing is the snake tail can only attack as a reaction uh, from somebody moving near. So it can't even attack you if it wants to, unless it turns around, but you can't now because it is afraid of you.
0: So I did that. Um, I assume I can't get the Rakshasa because it has to be something within 10 feet of me.
3: Uh, you can't see it. It is invisible yeah. right now.
0: Uh, that's not a problem for me. Uh, oh, no, it is. Never mind. Sorry. I forgot. I don't have that. I didn't take blind sight. Correct. But yeah. Um, yeah, so it's affected, and then I will attack it. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead and make those attack. Yeah, That's a 16 for the first strike. That will hit. And that's a 22 for the second strike.
3: That will also hit.
0: I'll go with the first one as the extra damage. Okay. So it's 21 damage from the first strike. Okay.
3: A big hit.
0: And only eight for the second strike. All right. Uh, So you are
3: actually, we're going to roll a d3. Which head you have killed? Uh, as you lay into this thing, you leap up and you take two quick swipes with your scythe uh, and you actually catch the rhino head uh, in the side of its face. Uh, and you basically dig into this thing and rip out uh, as the head separates from its body uh, into like what you would know is almost like necrotized flesh. You've seen decayed animals in the wild left uh, when they haven't been picked clean and it's sort of got that, that gooiness to it. Uh, the head. Yeah, the head makes almost like motions like it's trying to, to roar or grunt at you. Uh, and this black ichor just sort of pours from the wound until it starts to uh, gloss over. It looks like the uh, wound sort of seals itself up with that sort of black gooiness. Yeah. Um, but you have taken off one of its heads, and it is going to be at disadvantage on its next attack roll uh, because it has suffered catastrophically. And you hear from somewhere in uh, almost like echoing as the crowd is cheering and roaring at the spectacle of, of this thing being laid into. Uh, you hear the Rakasha sort of, no! no, no, no. And the the voice sounds like it's coming from everywhere. Uh, that brings us back up to Merzy. Uh, Merzy, what do you do?
2: Stand there with my mouth open. Wow.
3: Well, that's a free action. What do you do for your action?
2: (laughs) So I've got, there's a bird left and a lizard. Is it a bird and a lizard that were left? Uh,
3: A bird and a lion.
2: A bird and a lion. Also, it's
3: got a snake tail. It does have a a cobra tail, yep.
2: Well, I don't want to get any closer to it. Um, I'm going to pull out my red wand. I'm going to look at my red wand and say... If ever I needed you to work today, it's right now. Don't fail me. All I'm right. I'm point the red wand, so. I'm going to roll a
3: two. I'm waiting for it. I'm just waiting for it.
2: I rolled an eight.
3: And that's going to mean for us in this particular circumstance, why don't you explain about the, okay. The, what Okay. wand does. She
2: has. She has three wands. They're three different colors, red, blue, and green. They only work about 40% of the time. Because she bought them at a sale of a wizard who got eaten by a dragon. So she's not attuned to them. She has no idea what attunement means. But they were pretty, so she got them.
3: Okay. And I believe that is going to be above your 40% as far as that goes. So what, what happens with the success on your red wand?
2: They're just, it's uh, magic missiles that are fire. So it's, it's, there are three wands of magic missiles one is fire. The red one's fire. The blue one's frost. The green one is nature poison.
3: Okay, and what level is this being cast at, as far as the uh, the spell from the wand?
2: Level three.
3: All right, so that is going to be six uh, d four plus six. Go ahead and roll me some
2: damage. Twenty one.
3: Wonderful. It does not like that. Uh, you lay into this thing as well, uh, and you've dealt some significant damage to it. Uh, May has done a lot of the lion's share of the work. No, no pun intended there. Uh, but you blaze out and you you sort of throw out the wand. It does respond to you this time, thankful. Uh, And as you go through and and make the attack, you notice that the bird head snaps through and all of the feathers ignite uh, as a charred stump remains in its place as these bolts of fire uh, just lance into it.
2: Ew, you all know what singed bird smells like. Sorry about that.
3: Oh, it definitely smells like singe bird right now uh this thing is looking extremely uh worse for wear uh like it is on death's door uh any bonus actions or anything else
2: no no we're just going to not so silently applaud
3: all of your mirror images of course applaud as well
2: um since there seems to be an audience we're going to turn to the audience we're going to bow
3: they're they're eating it up they're roaring with uh joy and mirth at the destruction that you have wrought upon this creature uh, which now brings us back to Ron's turn.
4: Um, uh, I'm going to dart into range, and I'm going to attack it, and hopefully do better this time than I did last time.
3: Okay. Uh, you are still going to have advantage, because it is flanked. 2,
4: D20, K1, plus 8. Uh, yeah. That's going to hit. 25. Oh. Uh, okay, so...
0: You get sneak attack.
4: Oh, rapier. Yep. 1D8 plus...
3: 1D8 plus you. So your... I... Yeah, you get your D6 as well, or... Yeah, I think it's D six or two D six now.
4: Uh-huh. scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Uh sneak attack is three D six. so rapier damage is ten plus three D six. Uh ten plus eight. And I can't see the Rakasha, correct?
3: That is correct.
4: Can't do anything else. I'm gonna bonus action.
3: Well, don't hide. you have your you have your offhand attack too, don't forget.
4: Oh, oh okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, being a rogue man there's Be- so many things you can do
3: being a special rogue
4: well i haven't gotten a chance to do any of my special stuff <laughs> uh that's a 14 to hit
3: uh that will not hit that barely missed
4: okay okay uh this thing looks um, like it yeah. is
3: it is barely hanging up uh so,
0: is there, uh, so what we'll else go. you do
4: oh do i wanna i'm gonna hide
0: are you gonna hide in melee
4: range of it well, if I I can only disengage or hide.
0: Yeah, but if you hide within melee range of it, it you you didn't go anywhere. You're trying yeah. to hide. Yeah. So the uh,
3: the your options are: oh, Do you yeah. want to try to bait out the attack of opportunity and just go run and hide? Uh,
4: I don't want to.
3: Don't the the benefit is you would be eating its reaction
0: plus it's a disadvantage uh, with its attacks. Correct.
4: Well, that's okay. Okay, I'll dart back and hide. Okay. I rolled a fifteen on hide.
3: Uh, I rolled and That is a fifteen. Does that hit? I
4: have an AC of fifteen.
3: All right. So unfortunately, that does hit. Uh, is only a bite attack. Uh, mm. The lion's head snaps around uh, as you dart in. You deal some some damage to it, and it sees you try to back way, uh, and it sort of uh, snaps down, only dealing eight points of damage to you. Uh, but then you disappear into the into the shadows cast by the the, the rest of the tent and the Uh, overlaying rigging that's all over the place.
4: I'm Uh, going to use Uncanny Dodge to cut that damage in half.
3: Go right ahead. And Ah. now it's going to be the Rakasha's turn. Let's see what it's going to do. Let's see. Ron, I'm going to go ahead and need you to make me a wisdom save. DC 17.
4: Ooh. It can do this even if it can't see me?
3: Uh, Who says it can't see you?
4: It's a 20. (laughs) Eat it, (laughs)
1: Rakasha.
3: You hear... Whispering in your ear, uh, trying to convince you to turn on your friends. They haven't tried to help you at all. Uh, clearly, they're trying to take all of the glory from you. Look at them. Look at look at look at your friend. Look at that gnome basking in the glory of combat. Look at that lion. Uh, just. Sitting there, t- just destroying this thing, not even checking to see if you're okay. Uh, and for a moment, it worms into your brain, uh, and you almost feel the urge to to stab Merzi in the back. Uh, but then you shake it off, uh, and you can hear the, the the angered groan of the the rakasha, uh, uh, noticing that you have uh, successfully saved against its suggestion, and that's going to be its oh, turn. I
1: want to stab something.
3: Uh, Dimar, Dinar you are up.
1: Alright, it's looking weak. We're gonna just uh Eldritch blast that thing. It's remaining head.
3: Go for it. That's uh, gonna hit.
1: To the first one. That's and dirty twenty to the second.
3: That's also going to hit. Go ahead and roll me some damage.
1: Okay. Okay, four and five, so nine total.
3: Uh this thing is barely hanging on, it looks like. Uh it is its turn now. Do you do anything else before you move on to it?
1: Nope. That's all I can do.
3: Alright, let's see if it gets its flame breath back. It does. Uh it is going to take a last gasp breath at everybody and try to get them in uh may you're still behind him so it is not going to yep. be able to get you uh but i am going to need a dexterity saving throw from mayor z and Dmar, please with advantage because you still have uh your mirror images up okay 17 that makes it
2: Thirteen.
3: that's with advantage yeah it is isn't it
0: yep no it's not with advantage Two no, D 20 plus two so roll again yes please <laughs>
1: 122. Good job. You definitely faked it. it. I told you,
2: I'm an English major. Math is not my strong suit.
1: (laughs) Uh, If you've
3: made the saving throw, you're going to take 5 points of fire damage. There we go.
2: I got 13 twice.
3: Okay. You're going to take 11 points of damage. Okay. And let's see if your your images... uh, You each lose one of your mirror images, bringing you down to one remaining free. Alright. So that's its turn, which brings us around to May.
0: Well, I mean, at this point... uh, I'll just do the uh, what comes naturally. I'll pick the scythe up and just try and impale the lion head. I'm feeling a little weird about it, but, you know, whatever. That's the only good-looking head it had. It is the only good-looking head it had. But it kind of looks like Gormod, and Gormod's a dick, so sure. <laughs> that's uh, that's not going to hit. An eight, yeah, okay. That's also not going to hit.
3: Correct. So I missed twice. Yep, you missed twice. Bonus actions.
0: I don't have a bonus action that can do anything.
3: Okay, which brings us back around the top to, to Maisie, or Mersey. This thing looks like it is barely holding on.
0: All right,
2: uh, we're going to I believe I can do that. Cast. Um,
0: oh, I messed up those do... rolls. Uh, it should have been plus nine, the, not plus six. I have a plus nine to hit. Second so. one would have hit then. Yeah, sorry. Um, that's my bad.
3: That's fine. Roll, roll. I mean, I'll let you roll the damage.
2: I am going to cure wounds on myself.
3: Okay, so we're gonna let. May, roll damage
0: while you go ahead and do that. That's also yeah, messed up. That shouldn't be a 20. It should be a 10. So it should be one plus five plus six. So, so 12. 12 damage. It's a roller coaster, everybody.
3: It's a incredible roller coaster. And as Merzi heals herself for seven points of damage. Uh, May, finish it. How do you kill this thing?
0: Well, like I said, I drive the scythe through the the head, the top of the lion thing's head and like basically <laughs> staple it to the ground. Twist the scythe so that the head gets sheared off by sheer force, and then pull it back up. And now I'm looking for the rakasha. Uh, How many rounds has it been? It's been about four rounds, I believe. Five rounds. Okay, so I've got like I've got like five or six rounds left of uh, being giant sized. Okay, I can't I I can't make a perception check because I just took an action. Yep. But I'm getting ready in case the thing comes near me again. I can't really ready an action. But that's just my mindset as I'm looking for it.
3: Okay, so now here's what winds up happening. As this thing sort of, you drive your blade into this thing and it screams in inhuman pain. Uh, and it begins to decompose on the spot. Uh, Its body flecks away into bits of black dust, uh, reminiscent of a Thanos snap. Uh, The audience is cheering, uh, angels and demons on their feet applauding and screaming. The cacophonous sound of the audience is drowning out the death cries of this creature. Uh, You all limp together, and you notice that the pedestal on the stage the shimmering image of the Rakasha comes back into form. Uh, and as the audience starts to uh, settle down a little bit, you hear the booming voice of the Rakasha again. Uh, what a fight, ladies and gentlemen. What a fight. I foresee great things from our contenders and an amazing spectacle for you all. But let's then give them a moment of respite to clear their heads, reattach their limbs, and revive their fallen. Well, they don't have any fallen pity until then please enjoy our marvelous twirling whirling fire artists malak and kalak so you see the audience begins to cheer and from the uh wings a couple acrobats inhuman acrobats uh come into the middle of the arena and start flinging fire between each other um they look like they have multiple heads stitched together in a grotesque per- perversion of what a jester would look like uh, upon closer inspection. this is pretty obvious to to May uh, and definitely to Ron. Uh, it looks like their clothing is stitched out of some form of not animal flesh. Um, and so they begin to perform. And the audience begins to cheer and they're chanting your names. They never announced your names, but the audience knows them all. And they
4: were on the tickets.
3: And you feel that same familiar light start to bathe over you. Uh, You basically get the acrid scent of sulfur um, as you are whisked away to another part. This time, uh, the process of the teleportation seems to last longer than the first. But when you reappear, uh, you are in a completely different area. All of your wounds are completely healed. Uh, anything you have suffered, any status condition effects, anything like that are completely, uh, you don't. What would you say anything. we just had a short rest? I would say that this would be a long rest. Okay. Uh, instead of the usual after battle exhaustion that you would feel, uh, Ron and me in particular would be very familiar with this sort of like the, the uh, endorphins wearing off. You feel invigorated. It feels like you just woke up from a long night's sleep and, uh, And as you look around, in your hand, you notice that there's an oversized copper coin in your palm, And on that copper coin is a jester's face, uh, twisted and slightly marred. Uh, And I would like everybody to make a perception check as they're looking at it.
0: Uh, natural 20, 25 total.
1: Yep. Yeah, I also got a natural 20, but 21. For-
3: okay, Liz got a 12, oh. and we we're just waiting on game. Oh, now they natural 20. Wow, three natural 20s in your perception checks. Okay, uh, it is in this moment that Merzy, uh, even Ron notices uh that the grin that's etched into this coin matches the inhuman grin of the person you were interacting with that gave you the ticket. Um. In the case of May, you catch that same slightly off scent that you noticed when you were dealing with the individual coming from this coin. And as you look up, uh, before you stretches a large field. Uh, Well, field might be generous. Uh, It looks like it is a a large area paved with black flagstone as far as your eye can see. Uh, Much of your view is dotted by multicolored tents. These not off-putting colored tents like the one you interacted with or the clothing uh, of the gentleman that you interacted with before, Uh, and you get the pleasant smell of roasted caramel meats and strong alcohol, and you hear a cavalcade of muffled voices and celebrative music and distant screen. Finally, as you look up into the sky, you see an endless void of space in countless circular constructs spinning concentrically around an enormous metal sphere. You are in, well, just below the ring of the ringmaster. And what looks like it is before you is a carnival of delights as a reward for your good performance inside it. And that's where we're going to end today's session as an introductory to this wonderful little adventure. Um, Does anybody have any questions or concerns about anything that just happened? I mean, I'm sure you have plenty of concern.
0: Yeah. I I don't think this is the kind of thing I was looking forward to when I got here. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Anybody else? I
2: I am never going to roll this many twenties ever again.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Probably not. Uh, But that is the introductory for what is known as uh, the circus grotesque. Uh, this is actually a special module that was created by Archvillain Games uh, that I've been dying to run for a very, very long time. So I would like to thank them for providing the module for this uh, and so that we can have some wonderful twisted adventures ahead of us. Um, I would like to thank our players for coming to the uh, this particular session. Next session, I'm hoping that we will have... Uh, two very distinct additions to the party to sort of round this out a little bit more, uh, as they make their way through this ridiculous carnival of horrors and weirdness, uh, and if you are interested in this or any of our other podcasts, be sure to come over and check at blizzardwatch.com. If you want like to get early access to them, uh, be sure to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your support as our listeners allow us to make content like this and have some fun with it. Uh, and hopefully you've enjoyed uh, the introduction to Other Weld, uh, which I know we started with a little bit of plane hopping, but I, I assure you it's going to only get weirder from. Uh, so I would like to thank you all very, very much. Thank you very much to my players, and we'll see you next time.